Hi, Gwen. This is a message for Aaron. Uh, this is Andrew. I'm not going to be able to make it into the podcast today. Been up all night with this bad hacking cough. <coughs> I just don't think I can make it in, but I'll give her my best and I'll, I might go back to sleep and have some chicken noodle soup. Just been a nice, peaceful day in bed, so. So, Aaron, did you hear that Bendis is writing the uh, the Marvel MMO? Yes, I did. And, you know, if I was someone who played MMOs, I think that would probably excite me. You know, everything I'm reading about this thing, they're calling it an MMO, but they're not calling it an MMORPG. I don't think it is an RPG because it says what they've said about it is that you're going to be playing the main characters. Oh, really? And they, they compare it to the superhero squad MMO they already have out there. Mm which I didn't know existed until they mentioned it. <laughs> the idea that Bendis is doing it you know, made it particularly interesting to me, but I don't think it's going to... It's going to be a very different... I, I wish that I had time to play them. Because they always look cool. I mean, the DCU Online stuff I've seen looks groovy, but uh, you know, I don't have time for that. Yeah, I'm just not sure what the gameplay is going to be like on it, because if you're playing the main characters... It doesn't sound like the typical MMO. It sounds like yeah. something very, very different. Now, have you played the DCU online, Wayne? No, I haven't. I have some friends that have. I'm not getting sucked into another MMO right now. My brother asked me the other day, he says, hey, do you want to see Thor on Saturday? Like, like today? Well, yeah. It's like, well, you know, it doesn't open until May 6th. He's like, yeah, I know, but, you know, they're doing a free showing on base. He works oh, on base. He's a yeah. contractor. Yeah. It's like, oh. Uh, you know, I'm not really keen on the idea of seeing it in a fucking, you know, auditorium on a naval base versus <laughs> going and seeing it in IMAX 3D. But, right. you know, sure, this way I can go see it early, have advanced review, whatever. Um, and so, like, a couple hours later, he says, ah, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> like, well, you just invited me. He's like, yeah, but my wife doesn't want to go. Well, I said, does she need to go? <laughs> and he said, I said, I'm not trying to be mean. But does your wife need to come? <laughs> you don't want to go? And he said, well, I'll be in the doghouse because she wants to see the movie. I said, okay, if she wants to see the movie. Then she should go. <laughs> she should go. And he said, but she doesn't want to go early because it's, since it's a free screening, you have to get there mad early. He said, she doesn't want to go and wait that early. I'm like, well, then why don't we go and you could take her to see it next week? He said, no, no. How about? He's like, no, that, that would not be good for me. I'll be in the doghouse. Do you want me to just drop you off? I'm like, drop me off at the naval base, and what? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you'll need to put on a uniform. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, uh, and what do I do after the movie? <laughs> Are you going to come back and pick me up? Next thing you know, Paul's being shipped out. <laughs> is, this, is this the same brother, sister-in-law that put you in the wind tunnel? Yes. The that very same. That doesn't surprise me one bit. We ready to do this? Since Heard. Paul's got his hard stop, I got a hard stop at ten. Whatever. I can't talk about comic books. I got a real life. I'm big. I'm big fucking pussy. I gotta get out there and do other things. I, oh, I gotta get me an elephant base, herbal derble. <laughs> you say herbal derble? Herbal derble? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I did. What's it to you? <laughs> you gotta be careful because Tim will cut you. He will cut you good. He learned how. I cut myself usually, but... <laughs> That's how you make right. sure that the knife is sharp. 
<laughs> that's how he sharpens it. Yeah, that's right. It's like a whetstone. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Zaz. Oh, but we'll find out because he's he's not going to drive all the way to any of us. It's just we can't talk like that about him right before Fear the Con. Depends <laughs> on how bad he wants to cut you. He'll drive. Every night the knife cries for the woeful tears of Paul Ponte. I have to <laughs> a special box so that I don't hear it talk to me every day. But every time I open that drawer, it's like, Paul's a douchebag. I'm like, I know. May is coming. Soon, baby. Soon. Soon you'll taste flesh. The sweet, delicious flesh of Paul Ponte. You know the sad part? Paul would probably be the last one because I really like Paul. See? Oh, fuck, guys. Did you hear that? Because I really like Paul. The rest of us, not so much. Anybody hey, else play PlayStation with me? Uh, huh. Nobody's well, actually, doing that right now. But I'd like to point out that I don't have PlayStation. You're lucky, because otherwise you would have your credit card. <laughs> I'd like to point out that I'm an anti-social video gamer. Uh, I'm just saying that if you're going to kill people, Tim, kill Wayne. <laughs> Are you an anti-social computer video gamer, too? Yeah, when I play MMOs, I solo. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't try to go for Andrew though, because that motherfucker is fit. He will run. I don't think any of us could catch. I, I would have to hop in my car to catch up with Andrew. Fit bastard. Okay, why car. would you run? Don't you have a car? <laughs> That's true. Why people run? Don't have you cars. Drive. I didn't get this body by running. I'm a little concerned about how focused you are and how fit Andrew is. I saw tweet, <laughs> tweets this, about yeah, that this, this week. Yeah, this is the second time you've mentioned that this yeah. week. Yeah. You know, did, did... Are you getting lubed up for uh, Fast Five? <laughs> did uh, man sandwich? Did, did Andrew take a shirt off for you when y'all were at Fear the Con together? Did you get to see those six-pack abs? Did he ask you to rub a little baby oil on him? He told me to punch him in the stomach. As hard as you could? hard as I could. It won't hurt. <laughs> Hey, Paul, hit the play on the boombox, because playing with the boys and Kenny Loggins is on there. And I really like that song when I'm getting suntan lotion put on me. But thank with Aaron, Polly, Tim, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. And this is Tim, back in the normal position of the caboose. I like <laughs> it back here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tim likes it in the back. Ew. <laughs> I've heard that about him. So, you know, Andrew's out sick today. Mm. And as distressing as that is, I have some more distressing news. I came home last night from work. Sat down to watch, you know, an episode of the Borgias on TiVo, and TiVo had crashed. <sighs> My TiVo has died the final death. Wow. <laughs> the final death. The final death. <laughs> it's epic. It went down facing orcs and battles. <laughs> the true death. I, I, I'm, you know, I had episodes of Fringe on there episodes of the game of thrones on there that that means you're gonna have to watch a commercial god i couldn't do that anymore 
Well, fortunately, I do own two other TiVos. <laughs> but this was this was the the living room TiVo. Oh God, I, I just you know I thought my wife was going to burst into tears. You, you had me worried there for a minute before you said you owned others. I thought we were going to have to take a. You know, collections, donations from people to save you. you can't watch commercial. You can't go you're, back after you really, had one. But it was so funny. It was like you know we're, we're we're both kind of standing in the living room, you know, horrified at the the realization that TiVo has died and all the programming it's taken with it. And I mean, it was like, so what do we do? I mean, <laughs> do we you get, talk you to get each other? <laughs> zero, you get zero th- sympathy from this guy because you know how many channels I get. One. You get one. 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 <laughs> and what channel is that, Tim? Yeah, I get ABC. He gets Playboy That's channel. That is all he pays for. <laughs> he pays $15 a month for the Playboy channel and nothing else. <laughs> no, no. ABC comes over over the, the over the, well, the wavelengths. I get ABC. That's it. Wow. So I don't what? give a crap about your TiVo. Well, you know, this is this – is, I've had TiVo, I, I want to say for 10 years. I think that's – because I got it when it first came out. And I've gone through – this was either my third or fourth TiVo box to die. Um, but you know, the great thing about TiVo is that they make it really inexpensive to get another box. Like the TiVo Premier right now is just 99 bucks, And it's got even you – because know, I think my T- the TiVo Series 2 that I have right now that just died has like 80 hours of, of, of uh, storage capacity. Well, the new one's got like 150 hours. And uh, streaming Netflix. So I'm like, okay, so I'm not so upset. <laughs> so anyway, I have a new TiVo on order. Very, very, very sad. That's nice. So <laughs> <laughs> that just, you know, it just feeds into the next topic, which is, you know, I'm I'm sitting there. Uh, I went to work yesterday. And you know I'm in a department where the only other the only other guy is is the is the supervisor. So all of the all the women folk are all clucked together, going clucking like hens about this royal wedding thing. Oh yeah. I need a filter for my internet webs to block out anything having to do with this stupid fucking wedding. I'm so, I'm so annoyed right now. It's it's like that's all they talked about. I went up to my supervisor. My supervisor is awesome, by the way. He's got an Optimus Prime helmet in his de- in his cube. I said, put on the helmet and get the hose. The, the inmates are running the asylum, and they're talking about the royal wedding. I, I cannot work in this environment. <laughs> you know and what amuses like, me, Tim? You've now brought royal wedding conversation to a comic book podcast. Anyone thinking, I can get away from the royal wedding conversation by just <laughs> listening to funny books, listening to comic books, now has to hear about the royal wedding conversation. And it's I'm, all because of you. You're not the I'm solution, Tim. You're the problem. It. <laughs> well, no, you guys are my support group. If I can't talk to you guys about my problems, who can I talk to? My, who can I talk to my problem? My pole well, knife in the drawer? What? What do you want me to do? The pole knife. <laughs> I guess I got my Thor hammer. I could talk to. Oh, all right, Wayne. Point taken. I'm not helping. <laughs> so wait. So, uh, so I can't. Uh, I was go going to ask Paul. a question. I was going to a related topic. Okay, okay. Uh, do it. Is it an international incident now that I think whatever her face is, Kate is super hot? Oh yeah, super yeah, hot. Like, are, yeah, are, are the Brits going to beat down my door now because I'm talking about their princess or whatever? Well, let's see. Tell us about the dirty things you want to do to the princess. Ooh, now, let ooh. me ask you this: When you were taking a shower yesterday morning, 
Did you shuck a little thinking about Princess Kate? In her wedding dress? The Duchess of Canterbury? Is it Canterbury See, or Cambridge? Cambridge. Now I'm going to have to look her up because I've never seen a picture of her. I've successfully uh, avoided all this news. Oh, well, uh, I'm glad I ruined somebody else's freaking day. I am certain that there will be some sort of, you know, royal wedding porn parody in the works. There are <laughs> there are people that woke up at 4 a.m. to watch this thing. I'm like, you people have no I, fucking life. One of my coworkers told me that, you know, she had gotten up at 4 a.m. to oh. – to watch the the wedding. And of course, I maintain that the only reason to get up at 4 a.m. for anything is to go shoot a deer. I mean, that is – you know, shoot a deer, you're either going to bed at 4 a.m. or if you're getting up at 4 a.m., you're uh, you know killing something. But, uh, uh, or, or you got – Or, you have or has it a.m.? Actually, I've, I, I've seen the 4 a.m. It's usually because I haven't gone to bed yet. Exactly. So anyway, she says she, she's you know watching the wedding and her son gets up and he's like – you know because he heard the TV on and he's like, you know – Mommy, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm watching the royal wedding. And he says, oh, I'll watch it with you. And I told her, I said, you know, years from now, when your son is a confirmed bachelor, uh-huh. this is the moment you can point to that made him gay. <laughs> right. This is where he decided it was cool to be a princess. That's right. That's right. Jesus. <laughs> this yes, is the I guess it's cool to be Jesus, too, but different topic. <laughs> After last week's show, we got an email from the writer of Twilight Guardian from Troy. An email or a voicemail? Do, I mean, is our voicemail box overloaded right now? Well, it is overloaded. In fact, you know, it's so chock full, it's difficult to pull anything out of there other than Andrew's sick uh, voicemail, you know. Oh, okay. So, but, uh, and, you know, he sounded really sick there, though, you know, it sounded like there was some noise in the background. Anyway, um, Troy Hickman sent us an email, and he says, Hey, guys, thanks so much for the review. It's really great to hear from folks who get the comic and appreciate it. Just a note, though, it's Troy Hickman. Tracy Hickman is the Dragonlance guy who makes more money passing a kidney stone than I have earned in my lifetime. I should also not be confused with Jonathan Hickman, as I have never even wounded a member of the Fantastic Four, I swear. Seriously, though, thanks thanks tremendously. Troy. Yeah, I I feel a little embarrassed about that uh, that slip up because I've corrected other people about that name as well that it was uh, Troy Hickman, not Tracy. But you know, in my defense, I have talked to Tracy Hickman since I've talked to Troy. I've only talked to him on the City of Heroes forums years ago. So I mean, I I, I think it's fair for me to make that slip up. I've I've actually talked to Tracy Hickman recently. No, no. Nonetheless, you shame us. Well, you I mean, you were, have you brought were the shame one, to your family. You were the one that did give the review. So, I mean, in all honesty, she should take it, you know, the good with the bad, like the facts of life. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you get Blair. Sometimes you get Tootie. <laughs> sometimes Aaron gives a review. Sometimes Wayne does. And when Wayne does, it sucks. <laughs> And you know, can't it get was, your name it was right. so inspiring. We all Goog- we were all googling it. That's why there was that awkward two second pause. <laughs> Tracy Hickman, what the fuck? Speaking so, of awkward, <laughs> Tracy of Hickman's awkward. writing Batman. It's a novel, but still. Oh. so no one will read it. Man, a chicken is a bird. So uh, Booster Gold <laughs> was on Smallville, and uh, I know you guys were uh, all up all up in arms about that. Wayne, I know you have a story here. 
Yeah, I almost didn't get to see this episode because, you know, here we had tornado apocalypse going on while it was happening. The uh, the airport getting ripped apart and, you know, huge sections. So, you know, t- Saturday morning after we finished recording, I'm all psyched because it's, it's Booster Gold. It's going to be good. And I go and I hit play and I get weather. An hour worth of weather reports. So I was uh, I was ranting on Twitter, on, you know, in email, like, going crazy because they're not planning on replaying this before the next episode but thankfully uh paul had a copy of this on his tivo so i actually got a chance to watch it i have to say i love this episode i think it was one of the best episodes of smallville that they've ever had for real for real i thought they did booster gold perfectly we're gonna name this episode wayne shame (laughs) <laughs> between calling Tracy Hick or Troy, calling Troy Tracy and admitting that you liked the Booster Gold episode of Smallville, I, I okay, really I gotta say you didn't. I, 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 I think this the, was probably the best episode the show's ever had. Really, I liked the Booster part, but the Blue Beetle stuff I thought was horrendous. I just it, I thought the costume looked awful. You know, they, they they kept showing, like, his head inside the costume. I don't know. It just uh, – the way it was filmed just really bugged me. And I'm surprised that as a fan of Dan Garrett the – orig- is Dan Garrett the original Blue Beetle? Yeah. You didn't they take issue with his handling. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't the, – the way they referenced him, that, you know, hey, he wore the suit for a couple minutes and it killed him. Like, eh, yeah, but it- – you know. It's Smallville. I mean, they don't really, they don't fit into continuity with things like that. I mean, the fact they even mentioned his name was good for Smallville. That's true. I'm and not it was written it was, by Jeff Johns. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm just saying it was probably the best episode of Smallville ever. That's not <laughs> a high bar to leap. No, that's still mediocre. Yeah, I, I couldn't have been happier with Booster's, how they handled Booster in there. Uh, yeah, the 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 guy they got to play Booster was was perfect. You know, the the fact that they brought Skeets into it, I the Booster part, like I said, the Booster part, I was fine with. With the Blue Beetle stuff, yeah, not so much. And we and I, I obviously we didn't convince Aaron to watch it. No, I, I haven't seen it. Uh, see, I just I hate the Jamie Reyes Booster, you know, Blue Beetle anyway. So I didn't really the handling of that was fine with me because I already hate that character. Love Jaime Reyes. Every single, every single time there's a DC character that there's multiple people that have had that mantle. Every single one. Wayne has the exact opposite opinion as me. Oh really? <laughs> Damian <laughs> Wayne, um, Jaime Reyes, Guy Gardner. <laughs> probably, probably Dick Grayson to be honest. It's driving me nuts. I do like I Dick Grayson a lot as Batman, actually. I, I, I like him more than Bruce. Tim and Paul love Dick. We do. They do. Love it. <laughs> I mean, him. I, I have no problem with him as Batman, but I think he's just a shadow of Bruce Wayne. Uh-huh. Tim and Paul love Dick. Wayne doesn't have a problem with it. <laughs> That's what I heard. It's okay with Dick. <laughs> well, you know, we all used to just love JMS's. Uh, Thor run, you know, and when Matt Fraction picked up the book, we all jumped off like fleas leaping off a dying dog. Uh, we jumped off that book. And the Mighty Thor number one came out this week uh, by Matt Fraction and Olivier Copiel. 
And Paul and I read it. Now, Paul, I have very strong feelings about this book, and I'm real curious to know what you thought. <laughs> Why do I have to go first? Because I, I need to know if I can embrace you as a brother <laughs> or if I may, must curse you as my sworn enemy. Choose, Paul. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I liked every page in this issue that had Silver Surfer on it. <laughs> if it didn't have Silver Surfer on the page, I literally couldn't give a shit less. And not because I'd like Silver Surfer, because I really could give a shit less. Oh, except the page with Naked Sif. That was okay. Oh, that Naked uh, Sif page was choice. <laughs> you know, I seriously, you, you look at that, that Naked Sif page, and I'm like, table grade. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but this was... A really, 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 really shitty way to start a series. For a character that has a movie coming out next week that's fully ingrained in fear itself, let's make it not new reader friendly, and let's not make it in continuity with what's going on in fear itself either. Um, Very frustrating for me from that aspect. Well, I, I absolutely agree with you in terms of probably the best Silver Surfer story I've read in a long time. Yeah. Uh, the Silver Surfer Galactus pages – well, let's just say uh, from an artistic standpoint, uh, Olivier Copiel's artwork on this book is beautiful. Absolutely. I mean, but you know, you expect nothing less from Copiel. I mean, he, he is just – he's one of the finest artists out there right now. Um, his Silver Surfer stuff – and I don't use this word lightly, is magnificent. Um, the, the, the panel where Galactus is stirring, you know, it says, and Galactus stirs. Oh, yeah. I mean, there is such a sense of, of power and awe on that page. Reminds me a lot of, you know, Jack Kirby's work, that very cosmic sort of flair to it. These pages were outstanding. And I really, I, I think that Fraction writes a, a much more interesting Silver Surfer than we're actually seeing over in the Silver Surfer book. Sure. And though I'm not reading the Silver Surfer book, but I got to say this, I like the Silver Surfer as a character. Uh-huh. I just, you know, I used to read Silver Surfer actually back when Ron Mars wrote him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with the with the Ron Lim pencils on his series. Oh, yeah, Ron uh, Lim. Love me some Ron Lim. God, that, is, that you know, I love that series. And you know what I love so much about that series is that it's about the Silver Surfer. It's not about Norrin Rod. Because okay. no, I can't stand Norrin Rod. Anytime he goes off and he is in, in his non-Silver Surfer form, could be less interested, which is my problem with the current Silver Surfer ongoing. But these pages with Silver Surfer and Galactus, and here we are talking about a Thor book, and we're talking so much about Silver Surfer and Galactus. Just the point. <laughs> amazing. Now, I disagree with you, Paul. I really, really enjoyed the book as a whole. Um, really? I, you know, I, I'm really grooving to the whole Thor mag- uh, Asgardian Magicus technology. You know, and so that whole bit where they're doing the deep dive, you know, into the world tree. I, I thought that was really kind of cool. Oh, are they going back to that? Yes. Yes. And, you know, I just I really did dig, you know, their little, you know, diving suits and the, the mystic chain and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, of course, Naked Sif. Um, yes. In fact, if we could just get a whole issue of just Naked Sif, I'd be all on that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I flipped through this book and I, I wanted to get it, but 
it was just this week was so expensive comic wise. Oh yeah. I mean I had three D C books. The the company known for their holding line at two ninety nine. Only one of those three was two ninety nine. Yeah. No. I is so let me get this straight. Olivier Copiel was the artist and Matt Fraction was the writer. Yes. Correct. So is that like when you get like a new Dodge Charger and it's got a two banger under the hood? <laughs> it looks really nice until you put it out on the road for a few miles. That is exactly what it is. Yeah, I'm about ready just to uh, call the indictment. I've got the pitchforks. Paul, get the torches. I want my favorite character, Bat, Matt, Matt Fraction. Give it, give me back my stack! Yeah. <laughs> I, I dug it. I'm in for number two. I thought I thought this was a strong piece. It was. It was. You know. My big complaint about Matt Fraction's initial run on Thor was that Thor wasn't in the book. You know that we we were getting so much activity on the bad guy side that there wasn't much Thor, and there's a whole lot of Thor in this book. Plus, you get a lot of his supporting cast. Plus, there's that little pig dude, and I like the little pig dude. There's a pig. Yeah, the pig there's dude. a little pig dude. There's a talking pig dude, and it's got Loki. Who Marvel's trying to make Loki. Is it just me, or is Marvel trying to make Loki the Damian Wayne of the Marvel it's, Universe? It is exactly what it seems like to me. Um, I mean, and, straight up. I'm not quite sure what that's supposed to mean. Well, he's yeah. kind. Of, he, he Loki in this guise is kind of like Thor's sidekick. Exactly, know? and he's like a kid badass. Yeah. You know, he saves. You know, uh, spoiler warning on. You know, Thor's getting his ass kicked, and Loki's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go fuck some shit up. Well, and Loki jumps in after him and saves his life. Now he's wearing that little suit that he made. You know, Loki's got his little you know uh, diving suit on. That's and what you think when you think Damian Wayne, though. I, I think it's not those little punk that I want to strangle. I, I don't think a badass is going to jump in and save people. Yeah, I differ. I, di- I disagree. Well, I disagree. and he's a smart ass, and you know nobody likes him. I mean, he, he I, in my opinion, he he's very much like a Damian Wayne character. But he's wearing the, his this deep dive suit, and <laughs> it looked an awful lot to me like the uh, suit that they put on Dracula in Dracula Company of Men. You know, Monsters. Company yeah. of Monsters. Sorry, and you know w- that's got the all the exploding bolts in it and holy water and you know, and I'm like, did somebody put that on Loki so that they can you know detonate him? And they need to? <laughs> I, I I see, the, I, I do see the correlation. Yeah, because so you know, if so, that's a great idea. <laughs> but yeah, I, we're grading this. What would you give it? I'd give it a solid B plus. I'd give it. I'd give it a B minus, but I would still go. I'm still going for the second issue. I'm, I'm curious about the story, and Silver Surfer looks like he's on at least through issue four. And um, and I, I got to be honest, if they had any other artist on this book, I might not have been as I oh, might I, not be as forgiving. I think that you're probably right. I think that I am. I am cutting it a whole lot of slack just because I'm so thrilled to see Olivier Copiel drawn Thor again. You know, because I mean, God, every page is just beautiful in this book. If Olivia, if this book comes out on time for at least his, you know, his first six issues, I think yeah. is his uh, initial run on the book. Yeah. You know, early contender for best artist of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. But you so, know, he'll have fierce competition. No, he won't. 
Sorry, I jumped a book. No, he won't have some fierce competition at all from Action Comics 900. Fuck that. So, you know, from issue one of The Mighty Thor to issue 900 of Action Comics. One of the three DC books I bought that was not two ninety nine. Yeah, because, you know, DC is now holding the line at five ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, the price was painful. Okay, so... Well, I do have to say something on the price. It's... Despite the fact that 90% of the book is crap, it's still a good deal because it's three times – it's like four times normal comic size for only double the price. And it's all new material. There's not a reprint in here. (laughs) That's true. I mean – That's true. I mean there are a lot of short stories in the back, but the actual main story is pretty long too. It's not like it was a regular length main story with a whole bunch of shorts in the back. No, the regular length one is, or the regular story was huge. True, very true. I gotta say, of these ninety-six pages, there's only one T ninety little short story in here that I liked. Um, the, I wonder the, if it's the same one I did. The main story wraps up, you know, the Lex Luthor story that's been running through Action Comics. It brings Superman out of his walkabout, and it wraps up, surprising to me the whole reign of uh, the whole Doomsday story and brings Superman into that that's been going on with Steel, Superboy, Supergirl, etc. I have to say, the first three pages, I was very hopeful. Yeah. I thought the first three pages were great. And I thought, you know, this is actually going to be good. Yeah. And not so much. three pages. Yeah, no, I agree. There was that moment, I was like, hey, you know, this looks like it might be okay. And I got to tell you, I hated this thing. Oh, absolutely. The main story in here, I thought, was hideous. There were some winner moments on the art. Like, I love the Gary Frank art. Uh, But, holy crap, I hated this thing. There were were moments. I I have to say there were moments on here. I mean, I'm sick and tired of the, you know, I have God-level power Lex Luthor trying to kill Superman. Right. this This has happened multiple times that he gains powers of this level. But... I did like that they played it a little different that, you know, they, he's looking at, you know, what is uh, Superman's biggest regret? And he sees, you know, Paul Kent dying, which I didn't even realize he was dead in the comics right now. But that was at least a different take. I like Lex's realization that he's Clark Kent and having that conversation that just gets wiped away from his mind later. But those those were good pages, two or three pages in there, too. But, you know, the minute Luther saw that, you know, uh, Superman and Clark are the same guy. You know, well, you know, this is going to be erased. This will be erased in this book. And sure enough, you know, a dozen pages later, there it goes. I, I was just like, you know, d- don't don't trot that out if you're not going to do something meaningful with it. Yeah, it was as I read through, it's there were good moments in this overall not good story. <laughs> And that was one of them. I love that scene, just those couple panels there. But you're right. I knew right then and there that they, were, they weren't going to continue with it. They were going to have to mind wipe them. Yeah. And not just, it's not just a bad story. I mean, I got to be honest. Some of it is borderline incomprehensible what's going on. Yeah. The yeah. lowest character, you know, that became a, you know, something, I guess, Mastermind has taken her over or something yeah, like that. The, the lowest robot. Yeah, I mean, you know, and then you've got the Doomsday stuff, you know, the, this, you know, it's reign of Doomsday stuff that shoehorned into the story. 
I mean, just the way it bounced back, it's just, I, I honestly felt it was just a poorly, poorly written story. It doesn't flow well. well. And you know what they never did? Because <laughs> I've not been following the Superman books. I've read a couple of those random doomsday stories like the Steel story and Superboy. But, you know, you know, you see that, okay, on that one page, they're all in trap. And left to right, you've got, you know, the cyborg, you've got Steel. You've got a guy in the middle that I assume is Eradicator. Yeah. And Supergirl. Yeah. But they never introduced them. <laughs> they never at oh, any point true. identify who those people are. You're just supposed to know who they are. You know, on the page where uh, basically Bliss has gone across the universe, I want to know who that goth chick is. Yep, they never tell you who she is. That's who? That's Neil Gaiman's death from the Vertigo hmm. book, Sandman. That's death. Interesting. But it would have been nice to name the character. Yeah, because I had I had no clue. I've you know I haven't read his Sandman. I should. It's on the list of things that it's, I should be embarrassed of having not read, but I haven't. So I had no clue at all. It's like that character looks really interesting. Who is she? And, and you know, never tells me. It, it. You don't have to have characters going. Hey, that's Eradicator. You just put the little dialogue box that says Cyborg Eradicator. Yeah. You know, that's all you've got to do. Now, you know, they they. they they put all of this doomsday crap in here, and I have to say, you know, they, they've got – on the last page, they've got the corpse of, of apparently the original doomsday and then all of these doomsday clones, you know, what have you, you know, charging the supermen. They have completely eliminated anything that was ever cool about doomsday. I mean they've completely shit on that character and concept. I'm just so – disgusted at what they've done i just i, I this the this primary ch- uh, story in action comics was just horrible now, well, and one final word on that at that end yeah you know cyborg superman is with them yeah right he he's fighting against the bad guys and then at the end he says the reign of the doomsdays and he looks excited and he's got his hands up in the air like it's yeah. the greatest thing ever it's like dude this this wasn't your idea right <laughs> he wasn't really fighting with them though he said he wanted to to be destroyed by doomsday yeah he's well, got yeah, a death wish thing going on yeah mm-hmm. he was fighting them at points and he was saying he wanted to be destroyed by doomsday and he led them there so they could see that i mean he's he's basically showing off the things he wants to kill him the uh the little dialogue box that they have at the end of that story says it's 2011 and superman is still real thanks for your continuing support we trust we'll see you next month Oddly worded. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was like, what a weird little box to put down there. I mean, it almost sounds like, you know, thanks for supporting us through the shitty stories we've been telling for the last year. We apologize Superman's really not been in the DC universe in the last year, but he's still real. Hope you'll be here next month to read yeah. more shitty action comics. I still have hope that Superman can get good again, though, because once this Reign of the Doomsday is over... It seems like his walking across the country is done. Maybe he'll quit being a deadbeat husband, and we might actually get a Superman story out of Superman. Yeah, it's been a while. Well, now the the only short story that I liked uh, in this book was the one called Life Support by Damon Lindelof. Yes, yes. I thought that was so well done. I, I, the, the number one, the artwork by uh, uh, Ryan Sook mm-hmm. um, is fantastic. I mean, just very melancholy and and you know, really supports the story love the way he depicts jor-el 
Um, and the story is essentially about, you know, we've got to figure out how to build the life support into the rocket that's going to shoot Kal-El off to Earth. And you've got three days to do it in. I, I loved how this was handled because they don't – it's quite a while in there before they actually mention that it's, you know, who the characters are. So at first you don't know that it's Krypton because this doesn't look like any Krypton we've ever seen. I thought it was future Earth. You know, I really I mean, just the, the way that they were dressed and, and the skyline. And it wasn't until, you know, because you're looking at God, is that is that an older Superman? Because, you know, he does kind of look like, you know, the way you typically see uh, Superman drawn, except you, know, you, you didn't see a real definitive spit curl. But he's like, that could be Superman with a beard. <laughs> but no, it's his dad. I thought this was so well done. I thought this was a beautiful story. And that's the only one I liked. Yeah. Yeah, the rest okay. of it was, was just crap. In fact, the one with the hippopotamus, what oh. the hell? Yeah. The Legion <laughs> one that was like two pages and that's it. Well, but you know what's sad? Four pages. <laughs> Everyone's digging on the Legion one. Everyone online is saying, oh, the Legion story just shows that Jeff Johns and Gary Frank really know Superman, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's essentially two pages of Lois and Clark talking and then like a poster. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Well, and here – I love Gary Frank, and I love his artwork on Superman, but there are some panels he draws that are just so so, so much a pandering homage to Christopher Reeves mm-hmm. that it just irritates the tar out of me. And so that one page that you know it's got the Friday night in the 21st century where it's got Lois and, and Clark in their apartment and all the Legionnaires, you know, the – Superman or Clark is looking on, but he's he not looks really horrible. He does look horrible, and it's it's such a smarmy look on his face that you know is trying to look like Christopher Reeves, but he's not really looking at Lois. He's looking at the reader, like look at how cool my life is. And I just I really the page annoys the hell out of me. He's got a Brian Michael Bendis smile. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of pandering and annoying the hell out of things, that last story. Was a huge pander story that annoyed the hell out of me. Wait, are we talking about the 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 one written by Richard Donner, or are we talking about the one no. written by David Goyer, where Superman renounces his citizenship? Like he, the one where Superman renounces his citizenship. The the very the oh, thing ahead. is, he is a he's an alien. Why would Superman ever have citizenship? Clark Kent has citizenship, but Clark Kent isn't the one that's renouncing it. Superman is. Right. You know, Superman is not his legal name. He doesn't have citizenship to renounce. The uh, the idea of the story where he flies into the middle of an Iranian protest and just stands there for 24 hours was ridiculous. It was stupid. Why? Why would he do that? It makes no sense at all. And he's always avoided being involved in any kind of politics because he's supposed to be above that. And the idea that he has to renounce citizenship to you know, help all over the world is also ridiculous. And it's just continuing this mindset of you've got to strip the Americanized part of Superman out. And I think it's ridiculous. I got pissed off when I watched Superman Returns and Perry White gives a speech about does he still stand for truth, justice, all that stuff. It's like you can't say he's American. Clark Kent grew up in the Midwest. He is a down-to-earth Midwest American man. And that means his Superman would be you know, an Americanized character. That shouldn't be wrong. I mean you don't have to pander – 
to every other country in the world when most of your sales are coming from the U.S. I was really angry when I read this story because it's – to me, the core of Superman is fighting for truth, justice, and the American way and not being a deadbeat husband. <laughs> and over these past few years, they have done nothing but strip away that core character and just remove everything that was good about Superman. And I just see this continuing, that they they can't leave the character alone. They can't capture what made Superman what he was. And they're just getting farther and farther away from that core concept. I think it was well, a huge mistake. I, I, yeah. I think that I think you're right. They they ventured so far away from from the core of Superman because truth, justice, and the American way that is Superman. You know, Superman is an iconic character, and I know that the, you know somebody's like you know Superman's really not firing on all cylinders. We need to do something. We need to we need to shake it up. Well, let's take the American way out of it. You know, let, yeah. let's let's uh, make him a hero for the world. Well, the truth is, Superman's always been a hero for the world. You know, he, always. You know, the he, he the the American way as personified in Superman has really been a more noble America, an American dream versus, you know, really an American reality. I, I think this was a huge mistake. I think that, that the problems with Superman aren't his iconic nature. The problem with Superman is that they're not embracing his iconic nature. Yeah. You when know? you actually have him say the phrase, truth, justice, and the American way, it's not enough anymore. Yeah. No, that's not Superman. Superman is truth, justice, and the American way. Like you said, an idealized version of what we've never actually had. It's He's what you look up to. He is yeah. the icon. And he would never give up that hope. I mean – No, I agree. Str- I, yeah, yeah. it really made me angry. Well, and I got to say, I honestly feel like – you know, David. this is written by David Goyer, mm-hmm. this uh, short story. Honestly feel like this will never be mentioned again. I feel like, you know, much like all of these stories, they're they are just meant to be short stories that will never come up again. You know, they're, they're not even necessarily in continuity. You know, they're just filler at the back of a 900, you know, the uh, issue 900. You know, and the fact that they put this story, you know, that's causing so much controversy. You know, it, I, I honestly feel like there will be no payoff to this story. I hope that's the case. I think that they put it in there to do exactly what we're doing is get people talking about Superman, you know, yeah. and, and generate some buzz. And if if it generates enough buzz, I think they'll, they will follow up on it just to keep the buzz going. Because if there is any hero out there <laughs> in comics that needs some buzz, it's Superman. And because, that's really sad. Yeah. I mean, it's just because, you know, he it has sucked so hard for so long. And, you know, DC has made the mistake of keeping, you know, their their tentpole character out of their books, you know, for more than a year. It's crazy. It's crazy, well, I say. Did anybody read the script thing with storyboards? No. I was yeah, so either. disgusted by this book by the time <laughs> I got to that point. I was like, I, I don't have time for that today. I do have to say, I did like the two-page spread at the end by Brian Stelfreeze. Mm. Yes. Yeah, he I did. I like that, too. The Ape the Different Styles. Yes. Um, so you've got like an Ed McGinnis, you've got a Gary Frank, a Kurt Swan, mm-hmm. you know, um, Dan Jurgens is the long haired Superman, John Byrne. And then, yeah. uh, the, the first one, uh, I guess J- Joe Schuster. Uh-huh. So, no, yeah. I, I thought that was really well done. 
You I know, and I am on such a big Superman kick right now, and it's really annoying me that to get good Superman stories, actual Superman stories, I have to go into my trades and start reading things that have been out ten okay. years ago. It's you know and, the the best Superman stories I find these days are Elseworlds books. Yeah, you know I you know like I just reread Red Sun again uh, about a week or so ago, and it's one of my favorite Superman stories, and it's out of continuity. Uh, I love the best Superman stories I've heard lately aren't even being put out by DC. It's uh, a group of fans that release audio dramas on the podcast. And I've I listened to all 75 or 80 issues of their you know their Superman stories and all 75 issues of their Supergirl stories and it's like I am amazed these fans are putting out a better Superman product than DC right now. Huh. Shoot me a link to that and I'll put it in the show notes for our listeners. Pendant Productions. I'll shoot it over to you. What's it well, called? Sorry, one more time. Pendant Productions. Did production? Interesting. Um, well, you know, well, and the problem is they put Kenneth Roca for it as the artist starting the next issue. And for those who don't know, that's the artist on uh, Top Cow's Velocity series. Yeah. I'm like, son of a bitch. I love his art. Yeah, he but is I good. I just can't do it. They're not changing the writer. Is it still going to be Paul Cornell? Yeah. Well, you know, I like Paul Cornell. You know, and maybe you know he's he's had to pick up. Well, he's been writing the action comics with Lex Luthor, right? Yes. I I didn't like this story, but you know I picked up the first couple of issues of that and I liked it. I just didn't. I just don't want to really read a Lex Luthor book. So maybe I, you know I'm gonna I'll give Paul Cornell a shot on that. I'll pick up 901. Yeah, I mean in hopes the, that uh, it's a real Superman story. The Reign of the Doomsday stuff I think was kind of dropped on the guy, so maybe it's not his yeah. fault i mean the first few pages were wonderful and there are a couple of superman character moments throughout the book that made me think this guy actually gets what superman should be yeah. i mean overall it wasn't a good book but there are moments in there where i you know i kind of see potential yeah. for future stories well you know uh i think what was really missing from this book was a nice detailed blueprint of the fortress of solitude I always enjoy when they, you know, when they do these big chunky style specials and they put, you know, uh, an update of what the Fortress of Solitude looks like. I would have liked to have seen that. You know what they were really missing, Aaron? You know what this issue needed? What's that, Paul? Zombie pirates. Zombie pirates. You know who's got zombie pirates this week, Paul? Future Amazing Foundation. Are we Amazing Spider-Man? Oh, sorry. Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> I know it's hard to – I know it seems like a future Foundation book, but Amazing Spider-Man's name is on the cover on this one. Yes, sir. It was um, good. Yeah, Amazing Spider-Man 659, uh, which is uh, the second part of the uh, Fantastic – or the Future Foundation um, storyline, as well as – the first part of Infested, The Road to Spider Island, and the second part of uh, Spider-Man Team Up with Ghost Rider. So, a lot, a lot, a lot of book in this uh, four dollar, or a lot of, lot of story in this four dollar book. I certainly picked an interesting time to jump back into Spider-Man with all <laughs> this going on in the background. What'd you think, Wayne? I want this Future Foundation story to be over soon. <laughs> God, I like the, Wayne is never happy. <laughs> I like the play between Spider-Man and Ben. But that's the only thing I'm liking out of the Future Foundation part of the story. What I'm really enjoying about this book is Peter's girlfriend. 
I absolutely love this character. I'm loving everything we see of her on panel, and I want them to get back to the city so we can see him dealing with her again. I cannot wait until, you know, Pete comes home. They're making up. She peels off her shirt. He rolls her on her stomach (laughs) and finds that goblin tattoo on her ass. I just, I can't wait for that (laughs) panel. Okay, I got to be honest about something. I could not disagree with Wayne Moore about this book. Oh, yeah, I love this book. I loved the Future Foundation stuff. Reading this book made me, you know, and we'll get to Future Foundation number two here in a minute. Dance, I feel like Dan Slash should be writing a Future Foundation book. I yeah. loved that part of the book. I would buy it. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, first off, Stefano Caselli. Oh, God, yes. Holy oh. shit. Rocked the hell out of these pencils. This book is just beautiful. Page to page. Love it. Love it. And, you know, the dialogue between Ben and Spider-Man is just fantastic. And that whole moment where, you know, Spider-Man's like, hey, you know, you were Blackbeard in the past. You know, uh, shouldn't you reprise your signature role? You know, you got a better idea. And Ben is like, well, I'll let you on this team again. <laughs> and, then and there's it just, a Stargate. Oh, can't forget the Stargate. Uh, uh, Stargate. God damn it, Jake Ekus. You did this to us. <laughs> uh, and you know, what I love is that, you know, Ben does it. He does the Blackbeard, and it's a colossal failure. <laughs> I just, I, I just, There's not even a moment where it looks like it's going to work. It's just colossal failure. Yeah, I love the interplay between Spider-Man and Ben. I liked Reed's comment about normally he's the one that has to hold Ben back. And that Peter's stepping into that role. I got a kick out of that. It was just all of the other interplay with the Fantastic Four I didn't care for. I'm getting tired of all the kids in the uh, the Future Foundation. Um, I really did like at the end, though, that the kids are kind of are just standing there. It's like, what is this Scooby-Doo? Yeah. And, you, and everyone's just like, wait a minute. He's right. Yeah. It explained a lot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I, actually... Uh, You know, so spoiler warnings on again. The reveal is that um, the Sinister Six. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Sinister Six are behind this, but there's only five of them. Well, but you've got the the guy there in the uh, diving suit that hasn't been revealed. Ah, I was wondering if he was actually part of it or not. Yeah, that's Mysterio. Yeah, because she makes his head invisible and you see the fishbowl underneath and the rest of the costume. That's Mysterio. Uh, oh. oh, that's an interesting look for Mysterio. I, I was thinking that okay. about uh, Doc Ock there, where it looks like he's a brain in a bodysuit. Yeah, that happened um, in Amazing Spider-Man, I think, 600, 500, or I guess it was 600, um, that Doc Ock is dying, and that's what he looks like now. That's not a wow. brain. He's just all wrinkly. Peter tore his arms off and beat his ass with him. Is that what, is that what you're saying, Paul? <laughs> Something like that. I have that. to go get this book? All right. There's so many good one-liners in this book. Yeah. <laughs> Even Reed Richards has a couple. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm loving it. I, Dan Slott's just, you know, I don't know what kind of pills Dan Slott's taken to be able to keep up this pace on Amazing Spider-Man, but, man, I want a handful of those because uh, this is good stuff. Okay, let's touch on the infected two pages there. It made me itchy. <laughs> I I read that and I just was scratchy. 
I am excited for Infested, and I wasn't before this. When I've seen the previews, I thought it looked really stupid. The uh, that everyone seeming to have you know Spider Man's powers, but reading these two pages, seeing that Miles Warren is back, I am really excited to see what they're going to do with this. Yeah, and that, that really scene excited. where he's cutting the bug open. That was, was just creepy. It was yeah. creepy. It was wonderfully powerful artwork for it. I going in thinking that this was going to be a horrible story and I'd probably be pushed off as Spider-Man again when Infested started. I'm actually pumped for it now after seeing these two page preview. Yeah. Who's I'm itchy Miles still. Warren? What was that? <laughs> Who's Miles Warren? Uh, Professor Seriously? Miles Warren? Yeah. He's the, the guy uh, that made the spider clones. He's the guy who cloned Spider-Man. Oh, great. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Listen, you're a Clone Saga fan. How could you not know Miles Warren? Well, I, I know Jackal. I guess I just didn't realize his name was Miles Warren. Yeah. He was he was uh, Peter Parker's uh, science professor in college that uh, uh, both Peter and Gwen studied under, which is how he collected their uh, genetic material. Oh, yeah. Gwen studied <laughs> under him and Osborne <laughs> and everyone but Peter. But yeah, Peter, was that was slut. one of the that was one of the clones. But Peter, <laughs> <laughs> but great book, great book. I, I really, like I said, I really think I would love to read a dance slot regular FF book. And you know, along those lines, uh, Future Foundation number two, written by Jonathan Hickman, also I thought a terrific read. I got this was my book of the week. Same here, and I never read the Fantastic Four stuff by Hickman. You know, I only. You know, picked up at the end, and then I decided to jump on with FF, and this was my book of the week. Much stronger than the first issue. You know, I, I think the first issue did what it needed to do to set things up, but yeah, I mean, it's nice being into the into the thick of things. I like, you know, the reactions that folks are having. Why the hell are we helping Dr. Doom? I, I just, I thought this was great. And there's that whole two-page panel of, you know, illustrating that Dr. Doom's really not quite the guy he used to be. <laughs> and oh, yeah. so, so you got Valeria going, uh, well, you know, you've been a bit distracted, Dad. And yes, well, did, did you hear that, Victor? Mm. I said we need a backup. Yes, my mm, backup. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I said we need a backup. Child, you're trying Doom's patience. Panel, panel. Waiting for him to get it. I said we need a backup. And he finally gets it. And it's just like, it's like 10 panels of Doom not getting it, illustrating the fact that, you know, his brain's not working quite right. I thought that was beautifully told. As far as character moments in this book, the uh, the conversation between Ben and Sue at the bar, where they're trying to figure out what their place is in the Freedom Foundation or the Future Foundation, yeah, that was wonderful. And you start to realize that this group isn't the Fantastic Four. This is a different dynamic, right. and they don't really know where they fit in. And then later on, Reed has a moment like that where. He's staring at the screen and getting the, the choice to either wipe out the old Doom or transfer it over. And he hesitates on which one he presses. Yeah. That, that, was, that was a, a nice scene, too. Moment. Yeah. And I like that you can just take Dragon Man to a bar in New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he just walks up to the bar and gets the beer, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, even I'm an Android. Spider-Man got, even Spider-Man got a great moment. When, uh, when he's standing there and he's like, you know, okay, ethics aside – don't you need to determine whether we're talking about the structural issue, actual physical damage, or data issue? And he's going along about this, and all of these mole creatures kind of look up. It's like, wow, he's actually intelligent. 
I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought this was a great book. I, you know, highly recommend it. I, I am digging Future Foundation. Yeah, me too. I'm, and after this issue, I actually subscribe to it. Um, as, you know, you. on a monthly basis. I love it when smart people do stupid things. I love that concept. Yeah. And this issue was full of it. Hey, we need to make Dr. Doom smart again. Why? <laughs> yeah, the only person that knows why they're doing this he's, was Valerie. She, he's the only one who knows how to program the VCR. <laughs> well, you know, and Bruce Banner is the one who made Dr. Doom stupid to begin with. Yeah. And it's that happened in uh, I think World War Hulks or uh-huh. Fall of the Hulks or something like that. It's like so, yeah. I love it that well we know better than Bruce Banner. Let's make him smart again. That's Just, great. I, I love that concept. And yeah. you know, great issue. Like I said, definitely, definitely on board uh, for future issues. And next issue, Return of the Reeds. Looking did, forward did, to that. How did Bruce Banner make Doctor Doom stupid? Did he like shake him repeatedly? <laughs> Shaken Doom Syndrome? Shaken Villain Syndrome. <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> now, well, that uh, Aaron dropped off of, actually everyone dropped off of, except me, was The Adjectiveless Avengers by Brian Bendis and John Romita Jr. Now, this week, Marvel released Avengers 12.1, uh, written by Bendis with art by Brian Hitch. Yep. And Aaron picked it up. I did because you know number one it was two ninety nine, and two it was uh, an Avengers book written by Bendis, which I can fully support, but with artwork uh, not by John Romita Jr., which I have not been able to support the Romita Jr. artwork on uh, the Avengers title. Uh, artwork by Brian Hitch, uh, and I pretty much dig Brian Hitch. And I think he does a, a, a very uh, nice Avengers book. I liked this book. I wish this was, you know, the team that was currently on Avengers because I'd be reading that book. Storyline, you know, involves Spider-Woman, you know, as an agent of S.W.O.R.D. chasing down an alien energy signature. Because remember, in her role as an agent of S.W.O.R.D., she's hunting down uh, illegal space aliens on Earth. You know, so she's been out hunting down, you know, errant scrolls and whatnot. One of the things the IRS, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for not paying ta- taxes, the IRS as well as uh, Homeland Security. But uh, mm. you know what I thought was interesting about this is you know she goes missing while out you know hunting for for these aliens, and so uh, what uh, what's the green haired lady's name, Paul? Uh, Brand. Yeah. Agent Brand. Yeah, Agent Brand from Sword, who who's actually the director of Sword. You know, she goes and seeks out the assistance of the Avengers. And what I found real interesting about that um, is in the very first issue of Spider-Woman Agent of Sword when Agent Brand is recruiting Spider-Woman to participate in that agency, she says, "You know, now you're an Avenger and that's cool, but this this isn't their thing. This isn't for them. This is just you." We, you know, you don't involve the Avengers in these missions, and so she goes. She goes missing. What is the first thing Brand does? She goes and involves the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting, but I, I, I really dug this book. How about you, Paul? Yeah, you know, I liked it. Um, I got to be honest, I, I didn't drop out. 
of Avengers. You know, I, I said I stuck on for the second storyline, which was about the Infinity Gauntlet, and I really enjoyed the second storyline. But what about the artwork? Uh, you know, the the artwork got better, um, and I think that was primarily because there was less asked of um, <laughs> John Romita Jr. You know, there was still a ton of stuff going on, but there weren't as many characters on a page. You know, he didn't have to do, you know, Galactus destroying a city. And right. in fact, there were a lot of um, full-page spreads. You know, you know when you and, start at the bottom, it's, it's there's only one way to go. This is true. So I, I like this issue. I like the fact that, it, you know, uh, this is the second time that something from World War Hulks has popped up in the intel- Intelligentsia yeah. are the villains in this book. Um, and I, I, I like that concept. I like those villains. Um, you know, the the, uh, the alien energy signature that, you know, Jessica or Spider-Woman was, was tracking down, they kept saying it was a space knight, you know, like Rom. Yeah. But didn't that look like an Eternal to you? A little bit. So, I, you know, that was a that was an odd uh, – maybe it's just an, an art issue. I, and I think it is. I think it's an art, artistic interpretation because – it looked when she was in there, and I, I was remembering back to uh, an Eternal story I read by Neil Gaiman, and there the Eternal that I'm thinking of looked very similar to this guy, and he's somebody that is a you know controls. Uh, God, I can't cannot remember the, the the Eternal's name, but they had had uh, buried him, you know, alive really, just to make sure that he couldn't control anybody else's mind. And I thought maybe that's what this was, but they kept referring to him as a space knight. But man, he doesn't look like any of the space knights I've ever seen. He looks more yeah. like an eternal. You know, I had two main issues with this book. You know, the story was fine, um, but a couple of two main issues with the book that I had. I'm not the biggest fan of Brian Hitch. I used to be. Mm-hmm. I haven't liked his art in a long time. I feel his his characters look a little, you know, the the proportions on them look a little off, poses look a little off, and the way he drew Beast in this book I thought was absolutely terrible. Yeah, um, but I think it has issue, to do with who inks him. I, I think well, that's that probably if, true if, too. If he's got the because I, I think you're right. I mean, I think there there is sometimes an unfinished look to Hitch's work if he doesn't have the right guy inking him, and and I think you do see some of that in here. Mm-hmm. You know there. And so, so yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Paul. Um, but my main issue with the book is the same issue I have with a lot of the point one books. Not the best jumping on point. Yeah. And not only that, this isn't the Avengers team. Yeah. You know, they, 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 the team that's sent in, the main team that's sent in has some secret Avengers, some new Avengers, and some regular Avengers. You know, you've got Moon Knight, you've got Beast, you've got Miss Marvel, you know, you've got Iron Man, you've got um, Marvel Boy, who, as far as I know, well, I don't know if his name's Marvel Boy anymore. Um, you know, I haven't really seen him in any of the books <laughs> recently. You know, just they, 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 they picked and choose or pick and chose from different teams. And that's not the team you're getting in the book. So it didn't really feel like, again, like a proper entry point into the series. You know, no, it, I agree. I agree. That was the point. Now, you know, there, there is a moment that I felt like, uh, was completely out of character, uh, for one of the characters in the book. And, and that's Iron Man. Hmm. And that's when, you know, the bad guy is revealed and he's just essentially having this, you know, moment where he's you know head in his hands rocking back and forth oh no 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 there's there's none the trail's gone cold damn he's too smart for that i mean he's just like you know 
this the guy we're about to face is ba- is is badder than anybody we've ever faced, you know. And and that's not Tony. Yeah. You know, that's not and I mean, come on. I'm I'm going to go ahead and spoil this. So the the bad guy that's revealed in the book is Ultron. How many times have the Avengers defeated Ultron? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's always a really rough fight, and the the, the Avengers always take a beating. Mm-hmm. But how many times have the Avengers beaten Ultron? So I don't really get why you know Tony says we're not going to find him. That's not how this works. Ultron's smarter than all of us. There's nothing I know that any of us knows that it doesn't. He will unveil himself to us when he's ready, and when he is ready, it will be because he has brought the human apocalypse. And then there's this. I've seen the future. This is going to happen, and there's nothing we can do to stop it. Yeah. Where did that happen? That happens in the first storyline uh, of this series. You know that the you know they they mentioned the Ultron War. You know I mentioned there was a they had like a timeline that oh. was very similar to uh, the Booster Gold chalkboard, where yeah. there's just a hint of upcoming storylines, things like that. Right. So basically, what this is just building to something big that's going to happen in Avengers after Fear itself. That's what this is meant to be. I, I just, I, you know, th- there's that whole crisis moment for Tony, and I just, I don't see that in his character. I see Tony going, you know what? I've seen this is the way things things go. Here's what we're going to do to stop it. Here's what we're going to do to intervene. You know, yeah. Yeah, he's usually more confident than that. It was, it was definitely and optimistic. I mean, it, it, you know, even though he might not have the solution right now, he knows that he he and his team have the ability to come up with that solution. And that's what bugged me so much about that. It seemed like, you know, let's go ahead and make this a lot more dramatic and, you know, show this arc of, of, you know, a crisis in faith, uh, rather than, you know, let's show, you know, yeah, this is terrible. This is awful, but you know, Hey, fuck it. We're heroes. We'll figure this out. You know, if we're talking Tony Stark, how many times have they traveled to the future, seen the future and changed the future? Right. Even if he has seen in the first story arc, the uh, the future and it seemed you know impossible to stop. He has knowledge of that now. He would the moment he came back start planning to stop it. That what you're describing because I didn't get this issue huh. isn't isn't any Iron Man I've ever seen. Yeah, I, yeah. That was that's my, my my only real complaint about the books. I I just felt like that's not the Iron Man that I know. Agreed. You know, it was I think it was just meant to be you know this dire hint of things to come. Yeah. Now, while this is, you know, hinting at things to come, DC's Brightest Day is wrapping up. Yes, it and, is. Uh, you know, not only did Brightest Day the series wrap up this week, but so did the Brightest Day tie-in Justice League Generation Lost with issue twenty-four, which also is a sign of things to come. Yes, it is. I liked most of it. Um, I, I I particularly enjoyed the fight between Booster and Max. Yes. Um, I liked how Jaime Reyes solved the OMAC Prime situation. You know, OMAC Prime is is kind of this uh, conglomeration of an OMAC and um, Amazo technology, Blue Beetle technology, etc. Um, I, I thought I thought all of that was really well done, and I, I was really digging the book up until we got into the uh, the very end where you have the resolution of Max, which is to say. There was no real resolution of Max. You know, I can't say there. there's no overall resolution. They don't capture him or anything. But everyone remembers him now. Yeah. And he went on TV and sent out the message basically, you know, 
telling everyone what a uh, a great team Justice League International is, and uh, clearing Captain Adam and all of that. I I enjoyed that. I thought that was a nice way to wrap that up because he's I'm assuming going to be the ongoing villain in Justice League International, right? Coming soon, monthly. Yeah, I'm I'm curious about that, and I, I've I've enjoyed this team, so you know I'll be picking up the Justice League International book. Um, what I loved about this book is after watching the uh, the Smallville, the Booster Gold one, and then this. This was a wonderful week for Booster Gold. <laughs> the fight with Max this. here, where you know, basically Booster suits turned off, and Max is just expecting him to stand down, and Booster decks him, knocks him off his feet, and starts fighting him. That was wonderful character moments, and then finally Booster grabbing Max and jumping out of the the flying thing, willing to sacrifice himself just to take Max out. This is the Booster Gold that we're not seeing in Booster Gold's actual title. Yeah, and that's why I can't wait to see when what Dan Jurgens does when he comes back to it. Because yeah, I thought I, it was a nice setup. Do we know who's going to be writing JLI? No, this was the first I heard that there was going to be a JLI. Yeah, is on that last page where you see. Where Batman says, you know, what here's the plan. Yeah, and it doesn't the, even tell you when it's coming. It just says, you know, to be continued in the new monthly series coming soon. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm just – I'm not real thrilled that we didn't see something a little bit more definitive about Max. Like, you know, I would have liked to have him to gone to jail for a little bit. But, uh, you know, I, I can see keeping him as the ongoing villain. But and I, I wrapped up the story that started with issue one. The him wiping everyone's memory of himself. And I think that's the story that they were wrapping up. That's the finality is everyone remembers Max Lord now. It was good. You know, I I think this has been a strong series. I dug it. So I'm also glad that it's over because, you know, it was 24 books. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad it's over because anytime they do a miniseries or one of these big, long storylines, they just have this habit of dropping the ball at the end. Yeah. And this whole time I'm enjoying it, waiting for that ball to drop, afraid the book was going to get bad in the last issue. And it didn't. Yeah. It was solid beginning to end. Yeah. And they don't usually do that anymore. There was also that really nice moment between uh, Booster and Batman where uh, Batman says, you know, your heroes, Booster, you, Fire, Ice, Rocket, Red, Blue Beetle, Captain Adam, heroes, like always. You know, and we've had that whole – thing running throughout the story that that you know nobody knows you know booster gold is the greatest hero you never knew and so it's nice to you know see him having really led this team to a win and you know get recognized uh as a hero by batman so and i love they're they're all trying to stall the omac they don't think they can take it yeah all of their hopes are on booster fighting max yeah and they're well and they're they're the other heroes are you know playing defense to make sure that the OMAC Prime doesn't kill Wonder Woman, you know, so they all know they don't they don't stand a chance, but they're just putting themselves between OMAC Prime and Wonder Woman because you know they all know that it's its mission to kill Wonder Woman. And speaking of Wonder Woman, uh, you and uh, Tim read Wonder Woman number six ten this week. How was Wonder Woman? It was it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, it apparently has nothing to do with Justice League Generation Lost. Nope, nothing to do okay. with it at all. But that's okay because I don't, I don't want that chocolate and the peanut butter. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, re- I'm really loving the story. Um, 
in this one you can you get you you get Wonder Woman finally coming through this self-revelation uh, path that she's been taking um, and she has to make the decision she meets one of the old the old uh, Amazonian uh, seers and the seer is like you've the got fates, to decide who yeah. you, the fates I'm sorry and you've got to decide what you are are you the berserker who uh, slew Serunos or are you the merciful victor who freed the minotaur so she's got to she's got to fight the uh, she's she's coming to this battle against these um, these these uh, vengeance entities so to speak, and once she makes that decision and she gets her golden lasso, it's it's just awesome. She she's she she still kicks as much ass as she as she did in the in the previous books, but then you see you know the the merciful side. And that's how she—that's how she wins these these two fights that she has, and it, it was just awesome. Yeah, it's we finally are starting to get some answers too. All this time we've known that the world has changed, but we haven't known what happened, and we still don't know exactly what happened. But we, the fates, finally give us some answers here. The you know the fates weave the the tapestry, the lifeline of people, and in this case, one of the fates spun an extra one for Wonder Woman. So when someone cut her lifeline, when someone, you know, the, something we haven't seen actually made these changes and tried to kill her, it's because the fate had a secret lifeline for her ready to go that this all this is happening. The fate created, you know, the whole world being changed doesn't seem to be something that was done to get rid of Wonder Woman. The world being changed is what saved her from, you know, being removed from existence. I got a huge kick out of finally getting an answer to some of that. I, you know, and I, I thought the scene where she, she finally convinced Artemis that, you know, she wasn't abandoned. That that whole like page and a half was was pretty awesome. And this is my book of the week. Um, yeah, I I would agree. I I can't believe I'm saying Wonder Woman's a book of the week, but it this story has been incredible. I I'm hoping they don't go back to the regular Wonder Woman, but I'm sure the story is just leading up to her getting her old life back. But well, if they know, keep this writing staff on the new, you know, if they keep the writing staff when they go to the new life, I'll still be on board. Yeah, because it's it's been good, and you know the letters they, they had the letters page for Wonder Woman for the first time, so we got to see a little bit of nerd rage about the the, the new direction that it took eight months ago, and I li- I like the answer. The answer is like. Uh, about the costume especially it's like well you know the costume change had to do with organically like the jacket it was destroyed like you know four issues ago so you haven't seen the jacket and in this issue you see that she has this uh you know it's not an american flag but this star the stars and on a blue field cloak thing that she's wearing that was given to her by one of the fates so it looks like there are, you know, organic changes maybe to the costume, but um, I'm a, I'm with you, Wayne. As long as the the creative team st- sticks around, I, I'm willing to give it uh, I'm willing to give it some rope. Yeah, because I mean Straczynski is gone. This is this is still incredible, and it's Phil Hester that's doing it. So if he sticks around, I'll stick around. Yeah, I agree. Well. Uh, one of the books that you guys, that uh, you people, <laughs> <were> on, <laughs> you people. <laughs> what do you, what do you mean, you people? 
you people that read those wacky Dracula, the Company of Monsters books, uh, you people that were thumping the thumping the drum for it, and apparently issue nine came out this week, so I will just get out of the way and let you guys uh, slurp on it. <laughs> slurp on it. Well, we talked about um, issues one through eight last week. Yeah. Uh, we, we both read the first two trades, and issue nine came out this week, again from the writing team of Kurt Busiek and Daryl Gregory, um, who also had another book come out this week, which we'll get to in a minute. I, I have to say, I had some very, very sad news this week What's in this regards sad? to Dracula the Company of Monsters. Well, Paul, be careful about it, what you're about to say. Well, I, well, and it's maybe something I probably should have known. I didn't realize it was a limited series. Oh, I didn't know that either. Oh, it is? Damn it. It ends with issue 12. No! Which I guess makes sense because, you know, it does seem like something that would be finite. But I just, I didn't realize it was going to be that short. Yeah. We just can't have nice things. They're all miniseries. <laughs> it is so good. I had it no is. idea this was a miniseries. I... I'm very disappointed now too, Paul, because this is incredible. I, you know, I am it, I am thoroughly enjoying it. It is absolutely one of the best Dracula stories. You know, one of the best vampire stories you're going to read in comics. Period. Yeah. But you know, definitely one of the best Dracula stories I've ever read. You know, little pro tip: if Aaron really loves the beginning of something, <laughs> wary. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. And you know, we I I am willing to bet that uh, there won't be enough opportunity for us to learn more about Gold Temp, you know, or Naked Time as uh, you know, is the translation. <laughs> yeah. I really wanted to learn more about Naked Time. <laughs> yeah. I I got such a kick out of that conversation. The uh <laughs> the, she she uses the phrase Naked Time. Yeah. She says, was, someday when this is all over, I may introduce you to what we call in my hometown, Gold Temp. And he's like, naked time? She goes, oh, you have a knack for languages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seemed like a lot of the story was building up to this, you know, this issue. Like uh, the first two trades to me, there was a lot of setup. It was all really incredible setup. Now it seems like this is where the shit hits the fan. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, things, things are, are definitely coming really ahead. Good. I love the that the guy you know has a conversation with his vampire mother and yeah. tries to trap her in there. I I love to see that you know someone who was bit is pouring holy water on their neck. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have uh, the sense though that that nobody knows about that? Yeah, that's completely a secret. Yeah. I mean, he's covering it up. I'm uh, still curious why the vampires don't like this guy's blood. They're, they've said since nearly the first issue that there's something special about him, but we don't know what it is. And it's, they've mentioned it's part of his lineage, but we still don't know what it is yet. Yeah, I think that'll be I, one of their last big reveals, and I I can't wait. You know, I'm picturing the the call home to the vampire mother. Are you staying out of this sun, dear? Yes, mom. I'm not <laughs> 300 years old anymore. I'm staying out of the sun. <laughs> You know, at the at the end of the the previous book, you know, Dracula had impaled the board of directors out on the uh, the artwork outside the the big corporate headquarters. And I love that this book 
opens up with, you know, emergency services showing up trying to figure out, okay, so what do we do with these impaled guys? You know, and guys yeah. on ladders just trying to figure out what do we do here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, because that's the kind of thing you don't normally see in comics. Yeah, you can see the impaling or all of this, but the cleanup effort is something that just never gets covered. Yeah, and just yeah, that scene where there's a police officer up on a ladder trying to slide the guy back up the pole so he can pull him off. That was great. Yeah, I, I, you know, we need this, but this, uh. This uh, book needs more impaling, though. I need to see more of that kind of thing. I'm sure we'll see some shortly. Okay, well, I'm hopeful. With only four issues left to go, or three, 10, 11, and 12. It just breaks my heart, Paul. Maybe it does, do but at the same time... Naked time. <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, I, I'm, I'm happy to know that we're going to get the full story. Yeah. It's not going to be canceled before we finish the story, you know, that we're going to see what they intended the story to be. Yeah. So I'm okay with it. But great book. Absolutely great. If you're not reading it now, uh, yet yeah, Boom is per, uh, next week, uh, Boom is releasing a $1 edition of the first issue. Yeah, I saw that. It's a great yeah. jumping on point. Well, it's the first issue. I'd hope so. Well, but, but what I mean <laughs> is with with that the dollar issue. I mean, that's just that's I'm awesome. Just messing but, with you. Well, I'm I'm mess with you right back, man. Whatever. Yeah, but absolutely. Hey, Tim, so you, do know, you think they're gonna have naked time? It sounds like they're about to have naked time. Maybe we should turn our heads. No, yeah, Paul you, and I like an audience. Get a room. <laughs> no, no naked time. Oh, come on, Paul. No, no, don't don't touch me there. I can, just, uh, I, can, I can just see it in my head. It's just Paul saying, "Get your damn dirty eight paws off me!" <laughs> now, writer Daryl Gregory also wrote Planet of the Apes number one this week. Yep. What'd you guys think? You and know, I, was, I say I wasn't expecting much. It's a Planet of the Apes comic. Translations from you know basically movies or TV where they try to tell a comic story is always bad. And that's why I was so shocked by how wonderful this was. I, this would have been my book of the week, except I read it last week. (laughs) This story was absolutely incredible. You know, I'm, I'm shocked to see something based on a movie be this good. I found it to be very engaging. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not whole hog into it, but you know I'm into it enough to read the next book. I was entertained, and like I said, I, I found it engaging, and I'm curious as to what's going on. I also liked the uh, the uh, main human character. I thought she was very interesting. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but uh, I love the police scene drawing of the uh, of the ape, where there's this little childish drawing on a uh, a wooden thing. Yes. And then, okay, what did this chimp look like? Well, this. <laughs> it's a little kitty drawing of a monkey. Yeah, I'm a monkey of a chimp. <laughs> no, I thought this was good. I, I I thought this was very entertaining, and I'm I'm curious to see where it goes. Well, and yeah, it's that's... the uh, it's done in the original continuity, which I guess is kind of an important thing to to know. You know, it's supposed to take place after the movies or something along those lines, or I guess during the movies. I don't know. It but would that, be that, that's one thing they've been advertising in the last movie. Not the remake, but the last of the actual official movies. The lawgiver was telling the story, and you know, basically, it was it was showing that they had changed time. Yeah. And this essentially, I kind of get the impression this takes up 
just a couple of seconds after the end of that, he's done with his story, and now someone kills him. So you're saying that it, it's it's following the original 60s, 70s movies? Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, it is a little confusing because some of the artistic style looks more like the recent remake. Yeah. Well, and I think it's also trying to distinguish itself from there's an upcoming Rise of the Planet of the Apes movie. Right. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, yeah. in the basically in the in the last Planet of the Apes movie, we saw how, you know, the time travel and the messages from Caesar were saved humanity. And it's, you know, it changed the future, the far distant future. The speech he gives at the end of it, of that movie, is the speech he's giving at the beginning of this one. When he says, to, to this day, apes and humans have lived together in friendship and harmony and peace. That line is from the movie exactly. Yeah. And it's well, just like seconds after that, a, a ninja jumps down and shoots him. The uh, opening uh, narrative on the title page says, 1,200 years before a man named Taylor fell from the star- stars, this is a crossroads for both ape and man. Ape society is seeing a new age of industry with both the advantages and hardships inherent therein. Human society, already impoverished, looks to be on the wane. The young generation cannot speak cannot speak their mind. They are literally born silent. In the middle of rising tensions, the unthinkable happens. Yeah, I mean, when that movie wrapped up, it looked like they had changed the future and that humans and apes were going to live together in harmony. Right. This could be the story of how that doesn't happen. Right. How the you know the world got to be the way it really was in the very first Planet of the Apes movie. Yeah. It's but a good read. And if you if you like Planet of the Apes, I mean, if you're into the movies and stuff, you should definitely check out the series. Yeah, and I admit to being a huge Planet of the Apes fanboy. I have the box set of all the movies. Oh yeah. I got to talking about it after watching the the trailer for the new remake they're doing, and I ended up having like a half hour conversation about the continuity between all the movies. So I I admit to being a bit of a fanboy. So I have this had high expectations. You know, even though I thought it was going to be horrible, it had to hit a high mark <laughs> for me to actually like it. Yeah, because I expect a lot out of Planet of the Apes, and what, this this did it, and it tied into the original continuity. So I couldn't be happier with this book. Well, there, there's a lot going on in the book, and I, like I said, I dig it. I thought it was engaging. I'm in for number two. But you know what's more exciting than even Planet of the Apes? What what, what could possibly time? be more exciting than Planet of the Apes? Other than perhaps Naked Time, as Tim yeah. says. Bet- between Planet of the Apes and Naked Time, somewhere in between there, <laughs> falls free comic book day. Woo! One week from when we're recording today. Yes, May, May 7th. Saturday, May 7th. The day after Thor comes out. Free comic book day. It's going to be at your local comic book shop. Very exciting stuff. Now, Paul... Are you yes. going to see Thor before we record next week? Yes, I am going. I am taking off of work on Friday to go see Thor. Are you really, As Tim? Yeah. Wayne, ask me. Ask me. Tim, are you are you, you going to go see it? Give me your sweet ass, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Will you see it before we record on Saturday? Hills to the yeah. Wayne. Oh yeah, Friday. I've got to see this. They. I mean. I don't know if it comes out Friday or earlier, but as soon as it comes out, I have to see it. I think it's a Thursday midnight release. Paul, if you oh. don't bring your Thor hammer, you are less of a geek than I am. I'm right now. <laughs> I need the pictures of has- you guys standing in line with your Thor hammers. Oh, done, done. <laughs> <laughs> 
Someone needs to send them the helmets. Yeah. Aaron? I, I tried on the helmet. It doesn't really work. Yeah. yeah. It's too small. Particularly Aaron. for Paul's giant head. I do have a giant head. Yeah. It's like Sputnik. Sputnik. <laughs> it's like an orange at the end of a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> Are you seeing it, Aaron, on Friday? Uh, that is my intent. That is my intent. I, uh, I, 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 I expect to see it before uh, we record. So somebody better tell somebody better tell Andrew that he needs to see it, or we're gonna we're going to uh, beat him. He yeah, or he won't be on next week either. Right. Um, he's probably still going to be sick. You know, he he's got that uh, that little flu bug. That's true. It doesn't sound like he's in an amusement park or a casino. <laughs> Or a casino. <laughs> or, a, or a bingo hall. A <laughs> bingo hall. Yeah, he's just sitting there chain smoking. <laughs> yeah. He's got the two stampers. Yeah, he's playing four cards at the same time. <laughs> and more exciting. More exciting. But not Wait, exciting it gets more exciting time. than that, Paul? More exciting. Again, not quite naked time. Oh, yeah, but okay. just under naked time. Free funny book day. Free Dude. funny book day, too. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Monday after Free Comic Book Day, we will have contests on the hour every hour for tons of free comics. Check out the website uh, for more details on that in the coming week. So I got I got to cross reference my glossary, Aaron. Now that it's the second time, can we call it the annual Funny Book Day? Or no, you? not until you're on the third. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I. Paul, I thought we we covered this in new new higher orientation. We did, we did, but you know, Tim hasn't gone through the refresher training. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need that completed before next week. I didn't, right? Yeah, I haven't recertified yet. I was told I had <laughs> until uh, the end of the year. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna need you to take care of that. That's that's a problem. Damn yeah. it! <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of free comics, you can yeah, get instead, some instead out. of free stuff. We can we can wet your appetite in advance of Free Comic Book Day because we are giving away Volume One of the beloved, much hyped and wonderful Morning Glories uh, trade paperback. It is uh, autographed by artist Joe Isma. And all you got to do is go over to ideologyofmadness.com and tell us in the comments of the uh, contest entry what your gift was back in high school. We'll be uh, announcing that winner on next week's show. Very exciting. Very exciting. I'm excited. Are you, did you pee in your pants a little? Are you I, that excited? I, you know, I, I, I'm so excited I can't even put my pants on. Not that they were and on that uncomfortable note, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've got my I've got my Green Lantern cock ring on, and uh, I'm just excited. It hurts. <laughs> it's a, end the show. Someone end the show. For God's He's sake. so excited. He and it just can't hide. It. <laughs> well, you know, it's probably a good 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 opportunity to talk about our uh, podcast rock opera that we're putting together. So. Yeah, look for that on a Kickstarter page near you. Sweet. Sweet <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye. See ya. Bud while you can. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.
knife cries for the woeful tears of Paul Ponte. 